0: Oh lord, it's another episode of the Brute Norse podcast. This is part two of the Chronology series. If you haven't already listened to the first episode yet, I heartily recommend that you STOP! STOP BY THE GODS! STOP THIS PODCAST RIGHT NOW! DROP THE GODDAMN DEVICE! DO IT! I'm sorry I had to do that, but for the sake of reducing your own confusion, just just do it, okay? Go back and listen to episode one. It'll make it a lot easier for the both of us. Sorry people, it took me a while to release this episode. Uh, It took a bit longer than it should, and that's basically because life's been catching up to me. I've had work, deadlines, uh, I've got a conference talk coming up, and recently I got my American visa approved. That's right, I'm relocating to New York, USA. Actually, by the time this reaches most of you, I presume I'll already be sitting on Moondog's Corner, eating dollar pizza. This move is a huge deal for me, and it uh, does feel like I've been waiting forever. It's quite daunting to leave your ancestral homeland, and I'm sure there will be lots of new adjustments, though I do find some solace in the fact that my ancestors have done so before. So, maybe there's some sort of epigenetic element in me suited for pursuing the American Dream. You know, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law? For the last few years, I've been mostly living in a cabin in the woods with only a few neighbors. Great people, all of them. In my last trip to America, however, I managed to befriend a vaping guy in an elevator who then proceeded to harass an old woman and her dog, making me look pretty ugly. <laughs> New York, the Big Apple, <laughs> the city that never sleeps. <laughs> the city where the insane howl in the streets. You just gotta plow on. Will the chaos of the big city swallow me raw? Or will I come out of it hard-boiled? Let's see if I live to tell the tale. Obviously, I won't be able to get Axel over to record anymore, but I do hope that we can set up some sort of uh, recording solution over Skype or something like that. That will be a few episodes into the future anyway, and we've already recorded an amazing episode on Bog Bodies and Wetland Sacrifices due to release sometime in the future. That's all you need to know. Now, note to self... Cutting episodes is quite uh, a piece of work, maybe, just maybe I should work out some sort of invention that allows us to divide up the episodes more organically. Maybe I should start to write actual scripts, that could be one way to do it. In this episode Axel and I get into the actual timeline of Scandinavian prehistory with an emphasis on the Bronze and Iron Ages, including the Viking Age which is a subdivision of the Iron Age. We talk about the materiality of these periods, the language, and regional variation before we segue drunkenly into our personal snobbery about the Viking Age, which will take up most of the episode to come after that. So get your typology tables ready, cause this is the Chronologies of Ancient Scandinavia Part 2! Basically, walk through the timeline of Nordic history and prehistory. Yeah, I think I think we're it... gonna stop a little bit too uh, and talk about the language. I think as we go along, instead of repeating it again. I mean, we use uh, the Scandinavian
1: chronology now uh, mm. through, I mean, Norwegian archaeological periods, if you will, um, because it's what closest to us, and this might heavily uh, be heavily different from German. Uh, chronology or from f- French chronology. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're gonna uh, and, mention and that English. a little bit as
0: we go along, I think, especially with the Iron Age, because <laughs> that can get quite confusing yeah, know, yeah, within yeah, Scandinavia. Yeah. Uh, so so it's, it's important
1: to keep in mind this is for Scandinavia, especially from Norway. Yeah. does not apply to the Middle East. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or the or, or, or Far
0: <laughs> East for that matter. I mean, like
1: uh, Japan or.
0: Okay, so Bronze Age. The Neolithic ended and the Bronze Age starts. Mm. About 1800 BC. Yeah.
1: But here, here, here's the correct. We have bronze in Scandinavia before that. So that's the thing. Uh, the earliest evidence of bronze in Scandinavia is actually approximately 2200 BC. Jesus. Um, so that goes to show that, of course, bronze existed uh, even in Scandinavia before, but it's the quantity of bronze that determines when an age begins, or you know, like uh, the, the metal or the, the yeah. The, so it's a, it's uh, reached bronze. a certain abundance. By exactly, that, exactly. Know? It's it's, 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 it's become uh, so readily available for so many people that it's now possible to you know uh, get access of it uh, to to it. Um, uh, that doesn't require one particular individual. Uh, that has this network stretching all the way. So it's it's more readily available for um, most of the people in the society. But of course, I mean, at 1800 BC, it's still a very difficult to get hold of bronze. So this gets easier the further into the Bronze Age you go.
0: So what is the language like in the Bronze Age? Well, we don't really know. <laughs> uh, at some point, maybe... Uh... In the Neolithic, perhaps even, uh, or in the early Bronze Age, we have Indo-European speakers coming into Scandinavia. Yeah, And we know that at some point in either in Central Europe or Scandinavia, the first pre-Proto-Germanic language mm-hmm. occurs. We don't really know anything about this. This is not Proto-Germanic, but it's, uh, it's a dialect, essentially, of uh, Indo-European. And at least by 500 BC... It's established itself as a language in mm. its own uh, right, and as far as we can tell, it's amazingly uniform within the entire what would become yeah. the Germanic area. Yeah. If you live in Scandinavia or you live in uh, in central Germany, you could understand each other. There's a very few indications that the that they couldn't understand each other. The dialects seem more or less identical as mm, far as we can tell, mm, mm, mm. Uh, which is fascinating. And definitely speaks against any like idea that uh, that uh, whatever they call themselves, you know, what we call Germanic people, uh, wasn't in any way unified. They were certainly close enough that they had uh, cultural kinship and probably yeah, common yeah, yeah. creation and, myths. But also that, that, that they maintained
1: their networks, their yes. their contacts. Otherwise, it, I think that it would have been a lot more difficult to keep the language at the uniformness as it was most yeah, likely, you know, definitely, yeah. Because we need to constantly maintain it in order for it to be so. Um, so so in, in a way, sure, the distances were great, but still people uh, were mm. so dependent on each other that the, uh, the language remained more or less uniform throughout
0: centuries. It's really mind-boggling when you think about how, <laughs> how close the Germanic languages mm. seem to mm. have been. Mm. And of course, by uh, 500 BC, that is the start of the Iron Age, yeah, in Scandinavia,
1: and and it's uh, I, I didn't mention it earlier, but of course uh, I need to mention as well that of course in Norway you have like Norway is a long country, it's a slender country, <laughs> yes, and uh, archaeology in northern Norway is different from archaeology in southern Norway. This yeah. is something I should have mentioned early on, and um, when it comes to the archaeology in northern Norway, they divide it into the metallic ages as well. <laughs> Interestingly enough, yeah. Um, so of course we we uh, define it as, um, uh, you know, the Bronze Age and what have you. But they actually in Northern Norway call it Early Metal Age, and then you have like the Early Iron Age, and then etc. 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 And uh, the thing is that in Northern Norway they had access to bronze before uh, southern parts of Norway. Okay, so the could... Bronze Age came first yeah, to Northern it, Norway. It, it seems to be the case. It must uh, have come
0: through uh, around the
1: and... direction of Russia. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Exactly wow. where most
1: likely it came from, and it's uh, it goes to show that there was a network in that area that people in southern Norway, uh, central Norway did not have access to. Interesting. Um, so so the metal was probably known in these areas uh, way 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 before the metal was known uh, southern parts of Norway. Uh, of course, it's, it's only based upon the accumulated uh, material uh,
0: archaeology that we have now. Yeah. Of course, things might change later on. but It's oddly at um, odds with the idea that northern Norway uh, was somehow more primitive than the yeah, south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And northern it's also,
1: yeah. because this is kind of like the concept we have, that uh, the further north you go, the, the further away from uh, the action <laughs> yeah, uh, as a seen in Scandinavia, I like Scandinavia is in the periphery, you know, of Europe, you're yeah. on the edge of everything, <laughs> which is partly true, mind you, from certain ages. Yeah, I if, mean, like in Roman uh, yeah, Roman you, age, it's like
0: sitting in the Mediterranean. Then it's like <laughs> exactly, exactly, at <That's laughs> the, the edge of the world, it. and that, that's my point. You know, I, you know what I saw today? I saw uh, there was a paper about uh, North Sea uh, trading networks and things like that oh. in the in the Iron Age, hmm. and on the front page. They had flipped uh, a map of Northern Europe upside down.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it was seen like, from yeah. the north.
0: Yeah. And I was like, "Holy shit! The North Sea looks like such a central place. It looks like a cozy little basin." It, it changes everything. When you see it the other way, it feels kind of vertical. You know, you're just uh, it's like reaching mm. on. Oh, France's or like the Netherlands are all the way down there. You know. Yeah. But when you when you turn it upside down, mm. it looks. Like the distances are so much shorter, you know. It's it's a uh, it's, it's it's a nearby. whole different yeah, yeah, yeah. way of seeing things, yeah, yeah. you know. And and and, that's... and those people didn't have maps. They didn't. No, of course, no. Not. Of course not. I haven't sailed to, to 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 London. I don't know how long that takes me. Actually, I have as a kid. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> that's beside the point. I don't remember anyway. But uh, but it's but it's so they had a completely different purpose. Perspective, perspective on yeah, this yeah. you know than, than we do yeah. exactly
1: and, and and it's interesting you mentioned it as well because if you do uh, russian archaeology uh it's not north south it's east west oriented yeah so it's russia seen from the east to the west so it's sideways essentially from our uh, western way of looking don't at don't they do that with everything though <laughs> <That's what that laughs> yeah. yes true yeah yeah um, but just, that's the charm I but, but, but that's yeah. the thing because when you when you look at it that way you see Scandinavia in in essentially what we perceive as the north, you know, yeah. or, or or in the south, depending upon on the angle. It doesn't matter, you know. You, I mean, the problem that we have in the West is that we we perceive geography as northwest, east, east and west. This yeah. was not the case for prehistoric people, as you already mentioned. Mm. They didn't see. Uh, they didn't even know wh- where the North Pole was. And and why
0: would that uh, be important for them? You know, I, <laughs> it's like in a way. Yeah, I I discussed uh, for most people that is to say. That's... It's it's like okay, uh, Norwegians, you know, Nordmen, means Northmen, men from the north. But what is north? What was north to to Norsemen? Uh, I discussed this with a friend. I was like, well, Northmen, like Norwegians, that might have been the entire coast, and he was like, no, that's not that's not obvious. If you're Living in central Norway in the Iron Age, your perspective of what was north and south might differ from the coast. Mm. Uh, in the Gudbrandsdalen Valley, it starts out, this is in central Norway, it starts out pretty much north-south direction. But as you go north, it turns gradually towards the west. But in the upper valley, apparently, uh, they used to refer to north as just further up the valley still. Even though it was more or less pointing westwards at the point. So what is north can also be uh, very much dependent on local culture. And by extension, you can easily imagine why people from a very limited region would be called Norwegians. Because we see that in the sagas sometimes (coughs) when they talk about uh, uh, what they call Norwegians. They're not talking about what we call Norwegians. They're talking about sometimes a very limited part of of Western Norway, Mm. for instance. In other parts of the Viking Age, it, uh, it is the entirety of Norway, perhaps. But it's uh, it's clear that Norway was, uh, for at least a period, uh, a political area, More first so and the, foremost, yeah. that is not the same as Norway today. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> back to the freaking Iron Age. 500 BC, that's the pre-Roman Iron Age, yeah. and uh, that lasts up until the year Zero year zero, <laughs> yes, of, of course. <laughs> so that's that's fine, okay. Uh, and then you have the early Roman Iron Age, mm. the early Roman Iron Age is the year zero until about 200 CE, so the beginning of the third century. Yeah, what is interesting here is that we start getting something called runic inscriptions in uh continental what is today Germany and also Scandinavia and here we find a new means of distinguishing language once again. We started developing from Proto-Germanic and by now we had our own Northern Germanic dialect but the Northern Germanic dialect develops into what we call Proto-Norse. When I say we call it (laughs) Proto-Norse it's a little bit more complicated than Mm -hmm. that. Proto-Norse, it started out as a Northern Germanic dialect as I mentioned Uh, But there's no consensus as to what to call this language. There are German scholars who refuse to acknowledge uh, an individual Proto-Norse language. They say that it was just Northern Germanic. There's no such thing as a Proto-Norse language. They say it's just an accent. Okay, that's a matter of definition. And, of course, to Scandinavian scholars, it's also a matter of pride. They want to establish some sort of, you know, individualism, perhaps. But uh, according to Wikipedia, these are the different variations of of the name for this language. We have Proto-Scandinavian, Primitive Norse, Proto-Nordic, Ancient Nordic, Ancient Scandinavian, Old Nordic, Old Scandinavian, Proto-North Germanic, North Proto-Germanic, or Common Scandinavian. I used to go with Proto-Scandinavian. Yeah, which is... I think think, Proto-Scandinavian. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I like Proto-Scandinavian more than proto Norse.
0: Yeah. Historically speaking, Scandinavian often implies the Germanic speaking Scandinavian. The Sami want to be distinguished as their own. Anyway. Uh, So Scandinavians are from a Sami perspective often Norwegians and Swedes especially. Yeah. So it's not as excluding as Mm. one might first perceive even. But um, I see that a lot of people are using Proto-Norse. So I just bit the bullet, and that's what I've been yeah, yeah. saying for the last year, I it's, think.
1: It's easier as well when it's already accepted.
0: But I do like... I, we call it uh, Ur-Nordisk in Norwegian. I think that's cool. What do you call it, Like, primitive, ancient Nordic?
1: Yeah, yeah. I would definitely go with that. Yeah. Um, Instead it's sort of just Proto. But then again, Proto does have its its uh, juiciness. Yeah,
0: yeah Proto, proto sounds cool. Say. It's It sounds cool, yeah. But the Proto-Nordic, 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 proto nordic Proto-Scandinavian. So, what is the next? We have the the younger, uh, no, the the early Roman Iron Age. Yeah, which... I, I might just
1: add. Of course, I mean the reason we call it the uh, pre-Roman Iron Age, the early Roman Iron Age, etc., is, is because it kind of like I mean, it's it's obvious in a way, I guess. Um, I mean, the pre-Roman Iron Age is before. Contact or increased contact with the Roman-speaking uh, or the Roman culture, as it is, Romance culture. <laughs> some people like to say, and and later on, uh, this increases through the early Roman Iron Age and in the late Roman Iron Age. Is there's a lot of contact between Scandinavia and um, the Romans? And the late Roman so, Iron Age is uh, is when two hundred until about four hundred. four hundred. Uh, it's it's of course always debatable. Some scholars. Prefer to put the late Roman Iron Age back to 150 AD, for instance. Yeah. Uh, or or C, depending upon how you define time. But, um, so from from 150 to about 375 or 400. Um, yeah. Because of uh, historical um, sources, I mean, happenings like the Huns entering into Europe mm. around 375, ish. Of course, there's indications that we heard before that, then.
0: Yeah, because this is where it gets really uh, blurry and complicated. Yeah. Like, you can kind of tell that they just set the line here. Okay, that late Roman Iron Age ends at 400. Yeah, and
1: and, and there's there's, uh, two reasons for it. There's actually more than two reasons for it, but there's two main reasons for it. One is the historical sources, uh, and the other is, of course, the material culture. And there is a change in material culture around 400 AD. This is also proven uh, through uh, absolute datings and through relative chronology um, and, and typology. Um, and this was actually, interesting enough, the date 400 was put around 100 years ago, a bit more than 100 years ago. And it seems that the date, of course, back then, it was only relative. They had like no absolute date. Uh, ways of dating uh, finds Mm. uh, through like radiocarbon carbon datings etc etc and it seems that it actually correlates (laughs) so these antiquarians they were definitely correct in in some things uh, Mm. when they started dividing um, the past into uh, epochs or into periods. so, so there's, there's several reasons why 400 is the date it is. And there's also a reason why 200 is the date it is. Uh, the beginning and the end of the late Roman Iron Age. And why the migration period begins around 400.
0: Mm. Um, so yeah. Yeah, one of the reasons must be because that's when all the coolest stuff is found. It's the height of Scandinavian aesthetics.
1: Incidentally, that's why they call it the early Germanic Iron Age or... <laughs> in Denmark <laughs> yeah, yeah in Denmark mind you <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: there's uh, this is also interesting linguistically uh, because uh, there's a Norwegian philologist and linguist called Uttar Grunvik, who is uh, famous especially because he has really uh, imaginative and exciting interpretations of stuff whatever he writes it's always cool you know mm. it's not always academically sound no. Uh, because he was enthusiastic, I guess, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy to get carried away yeah. with the stuff he says, because he can take something that is really small bit of information, and it's so inspired, you, you know. know yeah, it scales it up, then, yeah. But uh, <laughs> around 400, or like the late 300s, this is mm. what he calls classical potonors. <laughs> mm. So based on the on, on the small number of uh, runic inscriptions we have in the Elder Futhark mm. now, it says that basically, okay... All Futark inscriptions at the time, more or less, are Proto-Norse. They are not Proto-Germanic, for instance. Uh, and uh, and it says this is like the classical period. This is what mm, creme de la creme. This is when Proto-Norse language is at its most distinct. But it soon goes south from there. The migration era, which now starts at four hundred CE and uh, continues on until five hundred and seventy CE, mm. this is an interesting period. Both linguistically and archaeologically. Uh, Linguistically, we call this the Syncope Age, because the language changes really rapidly. That's a kind of linguistic shift. And uh, you could kind of jokingly say that it's uh, most easily distinguished linguistically because all the words get shorter and you're developing towards Old Norse. But yeah, the migration period was going on, lots of people moving around. Yeah, yeah. Uh lots of conflicts uh disease
1: styles, disease oh yeah uh,
0: yeah there was a, the Justinian plague uh there was uh course the g- end of course yeah a global cooling event uh mm-hmm. in the in the 500s uh that might have spawned they think the the idea of the fimbul winter you know i think it's maybe stretching in a little bit too far but it's interesting it could have been a contribution to the idea i think it added to it yeah
1: if nothing else
0: i don't no, think the whole thing is based on that no, i think there are no, too many no, no, no other no, no, things no, no, as well, no, 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 other no, factors involved. No, no, no. But uh, certainly but it uh, might have uh, turned <laughs> darkened people's perception of the world. Or it might bit, have reminded you know. them
1: <laughs> a bit about the challenges of, uh, of of these cold periods.
0: Yeah. So this is probably the biggest linguistic change that happens in Scandinavian history mm. uh, since we started speaking an Indo-European language. Yeah, definitely. Probably. And uh, this uh this immense linguistic shift, it's quite telling that it happened at a time of crisis and probably a time of disease and plague, uh, because the only other time that this has ever happened was the Black Death in uh, the middle of the 1300s, which we'll get to. But um the migration period ends around 570. And G-g- now... Give or take. Give or take, give yes, or take. because... I mean, they're, they're artificial, I mean, the way we divide the migration period... Um... Yeah. A different country will have a completely different idea of what the migration period is and when it starts and when it ends yeah yeah
1: yeah. i mean one of the reasons actually why it ends around that um around 570 is because of uh art styles as i mentioned it. art styles yes art styles yeah. animal art uh, not just the language but the way it decorates one of the reasons why we call it in the migration period beginning around 400 is because mm. of a style That is called the Nidam style. Yeah. um, That seems to start flourishing in and around the decades, around 400. So around 390, 410-ish. And um, this in in turn, over time, uh, gets turned into style one, uh, Saline style one. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's actually, the Nidam style is actually a um, Germanic style uh, directly
0: based on Roman um, aesthetic. But later Germanic animal styles it's much more uh, things are more, more pulled loose. apart loose I was uh, psychedelic um,
1: and less uh, symmetric. Symmetry was uh, important for most Classical societies, I would say. I mean, we just look through the whole of Roman uh, culture and their way of decorating uh, walls and what have you. Symmetry is very important. It's something that starts as well in Scandinavia, of course. We have a lot of Roman imports throughout the Roman Iron Age, and um, towards the end of the fourth century, it turns into a, a Germanic style, which in turn over time, dissolves <laughs> into what is style 1, essentially. Yeah. And the reason I say dissolve is because, literally, <laughs> the, the, it dissolves. It's like an
0: acid trip uh, down... Uh, the, the animals it's... are like, you're looking for the different body yeah. parts, and uh, and they're kind of just pulled apart and all over the place. And yes. Just Google it or something. <laughs> I guess, yeah, something yeah, is style 1. Yeah. At the end of the migration period, we go into what we call in Norway, <laughs> the Merovingian period. The Merovingian period, yeah. the Merovingian period is not called the Merovingian period in Denmark and Sweden. Nope. We call it the Merovingian period because of the prominence of uh, Frankish, you know, Merovingian imports mm. to, uh, to Norway and Scandinavia at the time. Uh, while the Swedes have their own term, the Vendel era because of a burial um, field. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a burial field. Yeah, it's, 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 it's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's like a burial site. Based on uh, the name of a burial site in in Vendel, in, in Uppland in Sweden, mm. uh, where they found a, a series of prominent aristocratic graves. It would be something like calling uh, the early Anglo-Saxon period the, the Sutton Hoo period in England yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. So they have their Vendel period, we have the Merovingian period, and the Danes <laughs> have their... Germanic Iron Age. Yeah, the late Germanic Iron Age. Yes. Basically.
1: But it's interesting that actually in, in Norway, uh, Norway can kind of be divided into two halves in the Merovingian period or the Vendel period. Mm. The western half and the eastern half.
0: The eastern half? Western? What? Yes. It's, it
1: sounds odd. Um, now, these past years uh, with increased metal detecting and what have you in Norway, legal mind you, but also. Illegal, I guess. <laughs> it's bound to happen. Uh, but, but legal metal detecting where these metal detectorists have handed over objects. We found more and more and more evidence to support that eastern Norway was heavily influenced by Sweden. And um, western Norway, however, there's no evidence to support any eastern Scandinavian influences at all. Uh-huh. That's to say, the uh, the, the helmets, uh, stuff that you would associate with the Vendel period in mm. Sweden. But we do have a lot of continental stuff in Western Norway, incidentally, pointing towards Central Europe and Western Europe. So the question is, what is happening in Norway? Um, there seems to be some kind of divide, and this is also strengthened later on, in the uh, in the dec- in in the um, the period uh, in the eighth century, uh, with. Uh, quite important boat burials, uh, incidentally in burial mines mind you, but uh, pointing directly towards modern day France. It's like from uh, from western Norway or various parts of western Norway. Uh, one of them is on Carmoy and directly pointing towards France and um, the uh, the uh, the uh, well late Merovingians or early um, Franks, if you will and um so there seems to be like a, a cultural change or something going in, in Norway uh or a divide rather um where the uh the 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 the, the ma- uh, mountain range in the middle is actually kind of like a barrier or something we don't really know what happens um but one of the explanations has been just that because of the plague and things kind of just break apart and there might have been some elites that survived and they in turn, you know, just hooked on whatever network they could hook themselves on. <laughs> yeah. And that's why in Eastern Norway it was easier. Yeah. It was closer to the Swedes, which in turn had contacts down to Eastern <laughs> Roman Empire.
0: I'll marry my daughter off to the first <laughs> king that comes along.
1: Essentially, essentially. We're probably looking at something of course, put on the edge, but, but still, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's interesting because of these uh, clearly marked changes
0: uh, going on. Take the first alliance that comes up. Happens to be the Franks. Okay, sure. I'll take that. (laughs) Well, okay. So, the Merovingian period. Linguistically, uh, this is when you are in the late Proto-Norse period. This is a strange one because the Proto-Norse of the 600s, starts getting a lot more like Old Norse than a classical Proto-Norse. This happens so quickly that we think that grandchildren and the grandparent generation spoke distinctly different languages that would not be able to understand each other. You can only imagine something like that happening involuntarily through some sort of cataclysmic event. And it seems that most of this happened in the 500s. And what we're seeing in the 600s is basically just a consequence of this. And this is where things get a little bit blurry as well, because at the end of the Merovingian period, uh, there is a, like we have one very important rune stone. Here. It was written in the Elder Futhark, but the you know the language was more like Old Norse kind of, as the Eggert stone. Linguists were very interested in this because. They wanted to date this in the 8th century. But archaeologists wanted to place it in the 600s. Why, you might ask? Well, because the Egya stone happens to have an ornament on it in the form of a horse, which is recognizably Salin's style too, which is the third phase of this Germanic animal style. of the main phases, I guess. And uh, that puts the stone a little bit earlier than the linguists wanted to because they were not comfortable with... Mm -hmm. um, such an advanced development towards Old Norse at such an early point in time. But this, of course, seems to pronounce and enhance this idea of the syncopation age, that uh, language changed drastically. And I want to do a reading where we can compare the different uh, languages. We're gonna read the 5th century Danish inscription uh, from one of the Gallehus golden horns. They are what the, <laughs> what it says on the tin. It's a golden horns found in, in Gallehus in Denmark from the migration era. And they are an example of classical proto-Norse. In English it is I which would be something like guest yeah. in, in modern English. I Ligest of Holt did the horn. Let's say he created the horn. In uh, proto-Norse, this is Ek Klevagastig holdtijg horna tawido. We can compare it to classical Old Norse as it would be in the high middle ages. Ek slegestir hyltir horn tawða. Okay, we can do it again. Ek klevagastig holdtijg horna tawido. Ek slegestir hyltir horn tawða. In my own modern Norwegian dialects, it would be something like this. Eg, Leyestülte, Toa. So these are three distinct phases of linguistic development here. Yeah, basically, we can talk about a fully developed Old Norse by the 8th century. And in the 8th century, we start to move towards perhaps the most famous era of Nordic history. What is most well known? The Viking Age. When does that start? Well, turns out that's been a matter of discussion as well. Traditionally, we have placed the Viking Age around 790s, around the, you know, the attack on... 793. Yeah. The assault on the monastery is Lindisfarne. But it turns out that this event might not be as unique and singular and as original as originally fought. Uh, First of all, there's been continuous contact with uh, the British Isles from Scandinavia. Throughout the Iron Age and the prehistory. And it was probably not even the first uh assault of its kind. I don't even know if it's the, if it's the first documented one. Um well, on the British Isles. Um, no, I think there were early ones even.
1: It's it's there's there's a couple of earlier ones, uh, in the seven sixties, seven seventies. Yeah. Um which are definitely raids. Um, or at least that's how they described anyways and it's uh, assumed that the uh, um, raiders if you will, were from modern Scandinavia hmm. it's hard to be of course uh, sure 100% um, but it, it seems to be the, the best bet but of course there's also older sources mentioning raids into northern parts of uh, like Belgium Netherlands northern france going all the way back to the fifth century then we're in the migration period yes so exactly uh, (laughs) yeah so the the problem is where do you put the distinctions and for what reason
0: yeah because the raiding culture that we find in scandinavia is part of a a raiding economy essentially that has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years Mm. by the viking age
1: it's its first endemic warfare in a way And later on, it actually turns into more of a uh, economic opportunistic way of uh, gaining influence, power, and resources, essentially. It's like uh, back in uh, the Old West, where people raided each other's uh, cattle ranches. (laughs) It's essentially that, in a way. Just taking other people's cattle.
0: So, uh, the Viking Age. Some have then said that, okay, let's say that the Viking Age starts at around 800. But in later Mm. years... They have pushed it back a little bit, so yeah. now we say usually that the Viking Age starts around seven
1: hundred and fifty. Yeah, and there's of course people that are against that as well. Yeah, um, there's uh, it's still hotly debated, and um, one of the advocators for seven fifty is the National Museum uh, in Denmark. Mm. They they use seven fifty, um, and that was actually. Um, applied after a major Viking exhibition that traveled around Europe um, and to the states, I believe. I can't exactly remember, but at least yeah, I think so, maybe yeah, 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 yeah. I think, but at least in in Europe, um, and uh, called the Vikings. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, um, and and that's when they started using. Uh, uh, mind you, it was from the British Museum. Uh, The uh, the exhibition originated, and that's when they started using seven fifty instead of uh, eight hundred. But of course, I mean it's it's difficult to um, as we've already talked. I mean, when does a period begin? When does a period end? It's not like people in the late eighth century just suddenly woke up in the Viking age and they went from a Merovingian age or Middle age. We're Vikings now. (laughs) Suddenly they just go out pillaging and just start being Vikings. Um, but of course, there is a, um, a culture developing, it seems, yeah. uh,
0: in Scandinavia. And people have associated this also with the development um, of sales, but it turns out that probably uh, sales were gradually being developed and experimented with over the Merovingian period as well. Yeah, there's so. So, are we going to base it on when the first sales are found, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, we haven't found it in sail, but masts, you know, yeah. sailing technology, proof, definite yeah. proof. Yeah. Because uh, in the Merovingian period, we just assumed that people were just rolling around. Yeah, which but... is important to
1: mention. I mean, rolling vessels, yeah. of course. I mean, throughout most of the Iron Age, uh, people either um, used canoes. Work canoes, mind you, or smaller canoes. Yeah. And this is of course in the earlier uh, nimble and quick the... Little, uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. yacht yeah. spring being one of them. Hmm. Essentially, uh, the uh, the the boats, or or canoes, <laughs> as it is uh, seen on the petroglyphs, uh, Nordic petroglyphs, and uh, later they started using row vessels um, without sails. This probably started becoming a thing in the first couple of. Uh, centuries uh, AD, mm. um, so proper clinker-built ships. <laughs> clinker-built, exactly. Yeah. That's, and it's important to, to mention is that they're clinker-built. They're not, um, soon essentially, which mm. the canoes were. Um, and of course, they're still soon. Yeah, uh, boats. yeah, we have one from yeah, this yeah, region. Exactly. Mm. So, so they still use that technology. And um, but throughout the uh, early Iron Age, the um, um, into about the 5th, 6th century it seems that uh, there were some um, I wouldn't call it necessarily improvements, it all depends upon how you look at it of course yeah, it's development, uh, so. or, or changes uh, happening to the ship technology and...
0: Very diplomatic <laughs> 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 Don't want to insult the cultures without sails <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of because I prefer those cultures to later ones personally but yeah I like the ones that rode around you know, Yeah, know there's just something they, they about it classy there's yeah. something about rowing that I like yeah uh, it's uh, when when people don't have to row anymore they they ...their just equipment just, gets ugly, you know, yeah, they don't care about how they it's, look. It's laziness. Is yeah, because they don't know it. the people they're killing now, so they're not, they are <laughs> yeah, exactly. not. They have nobody to impress, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <Yes. laughs> you hate all The, the garnet-encrusted swords disappear, yeah. Yeah,
1: I there's mean, there's... to it, man. There, there is... I don't, I don't want to sound like a... Uh, snob? Yeah, yeah in, in a way, in a snob, way, man. or... Of course we are, but... I'd like to be a bit more diplomatic, um, because in, in a way, of course... The society and the culture changes in a good way, in another way, probably worse, you know, it's a bit of both. Uh and it goes for most things, I guess. And um of course I mean when they started using sails in the uh, probably late seventh century, eighth century, at least in the eighth century, yeah, as far as we can tell. Uh that's proven archaeologically. Uh, like definite proof of it. Um we, we know that uh of course, I mean the distances got shorter. But it also changed the economy it's changed uh, the culture internally in a way that's not to say they didn't reuse rowing vessels in the Viking Age of course they did yeah. and uh, these big ships they were equipped with oars so of course they had to row around it also I mean, in a way of course the world around them changed so yeah it's 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 you have to ad- adapt or, or die out, I guess in a way So it's and um, and yeah that's kind of one of the uh, the questions what is the uh, definition, uh, and what is uh, the, um, the the major thing that changes one period to another? Uh, and some people, especially people who are um, focused on topology, and uh, for instance, also textile archaeologists, they would say probably that around seven fifty, uh, the uh, first uh, domed brooches appear in Scandinavia. These uh, tortoise brooches, as they're known, in 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 by, by most scholars and by most people. It is around that time period that they start appearing. Um, the first ones, the prototypes, if you will, around mm-hmm. 750. So, so something happens in Scandinavia in the middle of the 8th century. And that kind of gradually over time develops into what we, or changes into what morphs in a way, I guess, into what we know as, as the Viking Age. By
0: now, as I mentioned, we've developed into old, Old Norse mm. or Elder Old Norse, whatever we want to call it, Viking yep. Age Old Norse. Yep, yep. Essentially, with the Eggia stone, they were still carving with the Elder Futhark runic alphabet. Yeah. In the eighth century, this is shortened. You have you go from an Elder Futhark alphabet of twenty four or so runes to the younger Futhark of sixteen runes. Sixteen runes is less sounds. ...than the Norse language has. Mm. So it's not a good alphabet for writing. The Elder Fruitsarch was arguably better. But it's shorter, it's more economical, <laughs> and easier to remember maybe. We don't really know why this development happened.
1: But it's also the application of runes. We have to keep in mind that, of course, I mean, they didn't writes with it in the same way that we do nowadays with our alphabet. oh yeah yeah the the use so, of runes so, was completely so. different from, Exa- exactly uh, we, exactly we can't
0: so. compare it to a modern alphabet really exactly uh but what is interesting what the peculiar thing about this is that okay uh, the language changes and the runes develop in the opposite direction of what you would expect if you mm. wanted to have a a functioning alphabet that represented the language and was easy to write, you know, and represented sounds accurately and was easy to read. Uh, this happens all over Scandinavia, almost overnight, implying that there was <laughs> a committee almost, or a, a small group of people versed in the runes, or what scholars called runacy. Tario mm-hmm. refers to this term, runacy. Sounds, sounds a bit <laughs> <laughs> silly, but uh, but uh, yeah, runacy instead of literacy. Because uh, it's, it's something partly different. So, there seems to have been a group of people associated with runic knowledge who just kind of go, ah, we're not going to use these runes anymore, we're going to go with this alphabet. And across Scandinavia this happens uh, to mm-hmm. catch on. Which is counterintuitive in many ways. It sounds... Extremely deliberate.
1: But, but at the same time, as as, as you say with Runacy, uh, the people using runes were a minority. Yes. So, and we have to keep this in mind that it's not something uh, the average farmer would necessarily use or even know how to
0: use or even want to use. Yeah, people didn't care for it. They didn't need it. Uh, yeah, or, and it's or, easier to or, 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 control or... them. If it's just the elites, yeah, you but... can change the perceptions of the elites. Exactly.
1: And that's kind of the thing, because in a hierarchy, it's important to kind of know where you are yeah. <laughs> in a way. So, so it wasn't necessarily a problem. It's not like how we perceive um, the alphabet nowadays, that we, we everyone has the right to read and, and write. No, because
0: no. In, in this day and age, it's, it's a given. That you're born with, the right. Yeah, no. In th- this area, we're talking about an elite that probably kept the knowledge away from the masses. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: or, 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 I mean, the masses didn't know how to use it in the first place. So why would they even bother? Yeah. And or it, it also depends upon the context it was used in, not least of all. And, yeah. And, and that's and that's why it's so important to keep that in mind when discussing um, this aspect of, of rudency, as 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 uh, as Talia as uh, mentions.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite. One of the peculiar things about uh, the runes at this point in time is, of course, we can ask ourselves, what is the motivation to change alphabets, to reduce yeah. the number of, uh, of symbols? Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have around the year 800, there's a runestone called the stone mm-hmm. in Sweden, which shows that even though they had changed alphabets, they still retained some knowledge of the old alphabet, because that inscription is written in younger Futhark, elder Futhark, and cypher runes, so Perfect. also coded uh, symbols. Hmm. So, so you have some schmuck in, uh, who's in Sweden who's just probably. like, okay, we're, we're using the younger <laughs> Futhark now, but this stone is going to be in either alphabet. Which only goes to show the proficiency some individuals have. Yeah, it shows that this is a so deliberate, this is uh, a, yeah. there is a, a part of society that has this antiquarian knowledge yeah, yeah. and where they were able to distinguish probably and this returns to our question of chronology maybe in the 10th century or maybe they had Herod, a more sh- or... shaky understanding of elder fruit but in 800 there were mm. people who were able to read migration era inscriptions even though they couldn't understand the language probably so this was kept in place. There must have been so many other runes that we haven't seen, you know? We but only there... see scattered inscriptions here and there.
1: But that's part of the of the tradition of the society that we have in, in the Nordic area, in a way. I mean, the not just the literary society through the runes, but also the oral society, you know, of how mm. you keep something alive for an extended period of time. We already talked about it, but like you have Attila. I mean, there's no reason why people in the Viking Age should even remember Attila. Yeah, but, but they do.
0: <laughs> yes, but that's the same with with, with so that's What is even more amazing is it's great that you say this because the rune runestone mm. This is an example of this because it mentions Theodoric exactly and the Goths exactly. So this stone refers to events mm. uh, that occurred hundreds Three of years before. Uh, yeah, before yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, some people, um, some people have speculated that this was associated with. Um, with a statue in in Aachen of Theodore oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Great that was, was removed in uh, in 801 or something like that? Well, if this interpretation rings true, it means that people in the Viking Age uh, were, were staying in touch with the news. And that events, like symbolic events, such as that of like politics and propaganda that happened in France at the time, hmm. Uh, resonated uh, resonated you know. all the way up to freaking Scandinavia where we weren't Funding. christians we were our own little pagan bubble up here but, but
1: that's what i also tried to to mention a couple of times is that Scandinavia isn't the yeah. edge of the map yes. <laughs> in, in a way it is and in a way yeah. it's not it's there's still people
0: living here and there's yeah, well, people it, staying in touch with other people and they still managed to import stuff oh yeah we're not always seen as like part of the club but but we were fully able to adopt new ideas
1: so so just because this is the 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 later parts of the merovingian period or Vendel period or germanic iron age whatever you want to call it and and the beginning of the Viking age doesn't mean that people in scandinavia did not stay in touch with the rest of the world the sea is not a barrier it's a highway and um it's something in in a way i'm not gonna expand too much upon this but in the uh uh Vikings telev- uh the TV series, yeah. uh, which of course loathe mind you. <laughs> um but they do have a section where they talk about the past uh where we as Anglo Saxons I mean where we originated, where we came from as a people. Hmm. And I mean I haven't seen the show, so I've just read about it. I've just been told. Mind <laughs> yeah, you, <even> so <laughs> a friend told me about this. Uh, so I don't know how. I, don't actually... I didn't even know
0: that there was a show called The Vikings. I don't know.
1: I'm 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 kind of you know, peeing in my own glass, I guess, by admitting to this. But essentially, um, at least in the show, there is like this this idea that you have like the literary sources from antiquity, you know, like Roman sources and the Anglo-Saxon. Who are we as a people? We're technically speaking Germanic-speaking people. We're not that different
0: from the Vikings, are we? But We are <laughs> okay. in a way. So it's uh, the the hero it's confronting like... the monster with his uh, like this. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's... it's like when you stare into the abyss... But in the part beginning part. of the series, it's portrayed very. Uh, I've I've only seen the first parts I've, of the first. I've actually season, I've actually,
1: actually seen no episodes. I'm I'm not the one to. Yeah, ask. so you're you're clean. <laughs> so, you're clean. so I'm you're I'm just, just saying. I'm just speaking from. Here, um, yeah, I'm just uh, exactly so. Yeah, I. Secondary sources. I, I well.
0: started watching the Vikings with uh, with this because, it's what everybody tells me you know mm. they say oh you can't criticize anything you haven't seen before <sighs> you know and all that bullshit oh, like yeah. that but but you know we've lived for a while we know what it's yeah. going to be like so okay so I, I saw a few episodes um and it was just they portrayed uh england as this strange place across the sea you know there's people over there There's the land. <laughs> no nobody believes them and i'm like oh my god <sighs> the ignorance yeah. yeah well i actually did a tweet today i don't use twitter often but every now and then i use the brute north twitter mm-hmm. saying- you have to do. yeah yeah well, i've got a few people i interact with but yeah. nobody's it's like i'm talking to myself <laughs> like so i can say whatever e- i want echo chamber <laughs> no, nobody's nobody's following me i've got like 109 followers or something maybe less losing losing one by the minute Ooh. and uh I made this tweet. I just wrote out of desperation. I would, I would gladly sacrifice my life if somebody just made a movie that was, m- yeah, yeah, a Viking movie that was more Stanley Kubrick mm. than it was Captain America. Yeah. yeah. Please, you know, is that, that so much to theme. ask? Yeah. <laughs> Can somebody make an art house movie based on the Viking Age? I guess they did with Valhalla Rising. So they of. did. They did. But um, um, in a way, also. Uh, I want the apocalypse so. now of the uh, Viking movies. I mean, to be frank and honest,
1: though um, this is of course a digression, but still, I think that if we're we're looking more and more towards the possibility of that being the case, and it kind of has to be kickstarted somewhere uh, by using the saga literature, yeah. Uh, as as they've been thinking about in a yeah, it certain could way, yeah. But I mean, there, there's been talk about. Uh, I can't exactly remember what saga it was. You are more up to date on this front than I am. I know uh, that uh,
0: they're making, they want to make a movie based on Bergesons
1: This is true. What yeah, exactly. That's a good example. Yeah. Um. So of course, I mean, the the Black Viking, uh, yeah. essentially is is something that could perhaps kickstart the interest for the saga. Uh, literature as we know it we only need uh, one person to kind of prove the the concept of yeah like. and and if this is probably the gateway into that um uh, the, the abundance of sources that we have mm. uh, but it's also the execution do we want someone to make a movie uh, out of these
0: uh, dear old yeah maybe uh, we sorry. don't actually want it but it's, it's uh, but it's something to complain about and it gives me a nice counterpoint against uh, pop culture because that's my <laughs> alibi yeah, yeah yeah if i'm gonna be a snob i i have to have something to offer because i don't really yeah, li- i don't really have, like viking pop culture no uh, when when it, when 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 everything I comes you. to everything I, i'm not really a fan of anything that is uh, that is viking today well, i actually... guess that's, that's the point with brute norse i'm trying to apply like yeah. a, a new paradigm for this stuff yeah you don't listen to this viking metal stuff i listen to battery which is uh, of course... early really Early Bathory, yeah, I listened to yeah, it, yeah. but uh, not not Norland, not Norland albums, the Hammerheart album. Mm-hmm. The good stuff. Uh, yeah. but I like I like this the second and third albums the best, like the Bart Moments the Third One. If other people like it, I'm not the gold standard of good taste. No, but you have your own taste. Yeah, I have my own, own taste. You have, you have, you have I don't honest. have to like what everybody else likes.
1: And and that's what I mean. What you're doing in a way is, is you're being authentic to yourself. You're not selling your part of who you are <laughs> just j- just to appease the masses, you know. And and that's what a lot of people do. Well, wow, okay, um, let's let's not flatter myself too much, but <laughs> no, but, but essentially because I know you that well and I, and I know what you stand for and uh, we share a lot of the same opinions when it comes to this, you know. We're not Viking age fanboys. Uh we've been in different kinds of environments, groups yeah. uh, where that is the case where it's like Viking and that's the only thing that matters and they have like no perspective outside that box, if you will. Yeah, and uh, and that's kind of what I'm trying to say is that it's important to um, have perspective.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Brute Norse podcast. My name is still Irik Storsson. Um, I guess that since I'm moving to America, I need to give some extra thought to how my name is supposed to be pronounced. I'm not a big fan of the anglicized IRIC, if I'm honest. Maybe. Eric is better. Eirik, 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 Eirik. Anyway, I expect to see many exciting and colorful interpretations of my name on coffee, bar, and restaurant receipts in the upcoming months. Now, if you want to lend a helping hand, you can support Brute Norse on patreon.com forward slash Brute Have a look! Find a rate and reward that fits your budget. And to my loyal patrons, be wholesome and content. Hail Oxal.